Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and not letting them play long ball. And I wanted to get the upper hand back. Jared rolls to his right, still looking, throws downfield, incomplete. Lions come up empty, was looking for Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't regret those decisions. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. Yeah, Dan Campbell, you are going to get that today. Hell of a job this year, but uh, today, today, you're going to get that scrutiny. 97.1, the Ticket with Lions Radio Network, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. We are on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio and ESPNU. Super Bowl is set. We've got the Chiefs and we've got the Niners. That will certainly... Man, I was rooting for the Detroit Lions so oh, hard yesterday, too. though. I won. I, I, I well, you picked against... You picked the 49ers. Yes. I mean, obviously, they were the seven-and-a-half-point favorite when the game kicked off, so you picked them. So, obviously, there was a rooting interest. But but how could you not appreciate the story of the 2023 Detroit Lions? Like This, this is like a starter from the bottom, now we hear. Yep. Like, like, we're only talking about them being two years removed from having the second overall pick, which means they were absolutely awful. And Jared Goff was able to get this team into the playoffs, win two playoffs games, and be in the conference championship game. I hate that it had to end for him this way because you're up three possessions in this game and you ended up blowing that lead. It was the third largest comeback win for any team in playoff history or in conference championship game history. But it's a situation right now where you have to feel bad for Lions fans just because of how miserable they've been for years on end. And to finally have an opportunity to be one win away from the Super Bowl and to lose it like that, Smalls, that is absolutely soul-crushing. It's heartbreaking. I was cheering for Detroit like I was from the 3 one yesterday because of everything they've been through. I would have loved to see them punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. And to think that all these fans in Detroit, these Lions fans, thought that they had it. That you were up 17 points and you started to believe, oh my God, we're really going to do this. We're going to go to the Super Bowl. We could win this thing. The game wasn't eventful in the first half, to no, your point. No, And then it all unravels for them. It felt very, like that loss felt very Detroit Lions. Like as soon as you started to believe and feel like it was going to happen, it unraveled for you. And that breaks my heart for them. I really wanted those fans to have that win. Well, San Fran, Kansas City, obviously a huge game for the big game. That'll be a hot ticket brought to you by Vivid Seats, who's giving away two free tickets to the big game now through February 4th. Download their app or visit gamecenter.vividseats.com slash TNC for all the details. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. I put up a poll question at Evco Radio on Twitter, EVCO Radio. Who had the most memorable Sunday? Here are your four choices. Dan Campbell, Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes. Dan Campbell. Smalls? Ooh, that one's tough because I initially wanted to say Dan Campbell, but I think it might be Brock Purdy for me. Mr. Irrelevant, finding a way to to get it done. 
17-point comeback and punch his team's ticket to the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be Brock Purdy for me. 21-5, and five, if I'm not mistaken, with the win yesterday. A team record win and loss in games that he has started for San Francisco over two years, which is just remarkable. NFC Championship game last year. Obviously gets hurt, loses to Philadelphia. Going to the Super Bowl this year. His second half was excellent yesterday. First half, not as much. But second half, 13 of 16 in this game. And we talk about how he was running the football just extremely well. 174 in terms of the air, touchdown, and 49 rushing yards. But you mentioned Dan Campbell. I think a lot of people are going there today. There were three fourth down decisions that we're all focusing on today that Campbell made. And two of them were consistent with what he's done all year. One of them was not. And yet the one that was inconsistent, I think we'd argue, if he actually went that route for the entirety of the game, they made may would have won yesterday. What do I mean? In the first half, fourth and goal from the three-yard line in the second quarter, 10 seconds to go. They're up 21-7. How he acted for the entire season would indicate him going for that. He chose not to. He kicks a field goal. Smart move. They're up three scores, 24-7. But then the problem, CC, fourth and two from San Francisco's 28 with seven minutes plus to go in the third, up 24-10, goes for it, doesn't want to go for a three-score game, incomplete. Fourth and three from the 30-yard line in the fourth quarter with 7.32 to go. Now down 27-24. They've blown the lead. Fourth down. Failed conversion to Amon Ross St. Brown. In the first half, he did it differently than he did all year. In the second half, he did it the same as he did all year. Inconsistent for Campbell yesterday. I keep watching these plays on replay that we have on ESPNU, and I just hope that they end differently, and I know they don't. But that's the thing. Like It's just like you don't have another game. Dan Campbell, this is not the Dallas Cowboys game from late December where you decide to go for the two-point conversion three straight times. This is not that. This is win or go home. And that decision to go for it on fourth down when you got the ball on the fringe of the red zone in the third quarter, that was a panic move. And I don't understand why you're panicking when you're up by two touchdowns. The 49ers came out on the opening drive and your defense held them to three. Okay, fine. You knew that San Francisco was going to respond coming out of the half. They were going to make adjustments. That's all fine. Kick the field goal and go back up by three possessions. Why make the decision to go for it, get stopped, and give them all the momentum? Of course they're going to go back down there and score a touchdown. And then to compound it, you make matters worse by turning the ball over on the very next possession. It is just mind-boggling. But again, it just goes to show you that experience matters in these circumstances. And with Smalls, when we talk about experience, we're usually thinking about the players. In this instance, I'm thinking about the coach. I'm thinking about what Dan Campbell did in the third quarter versus what Kyle Shanahan did, not only in the third quarter, but what he told his team at halftime. We're down by 17. Yeah, guys, all we have to do is focus on executing, focus on doing our jobs, And it's a big lead, but it's not an insurmountable lead. Like, to me, they just kept chipping away, and the Detroit Lions kept shooting themselves in the foot. And I think both teams and their performance in the second half is a reflection of their head coaches in the moment. One head coach panicked, the other one didn't, and as a result, the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl, not the Detroit Lions. That's another wrinkle in this uh, championship weekend that we haven't talked about is Kyle Shanahan and the perception around him because he's probably glad to be on the other side of a comeback in one of these big games because yeah. <laughs> 28-3 is always going to be there and we talked about it leading the into... The Super Bowl is always going to be there from 2019. Yeah. When they played the Chiefs and they had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter and they lost. Yes. So we talked about that heading into the weekend how perception around certain people could change with a win this weekend and I said with Kyle Shanahan it's certainly there because you talk about him being such a great offensive mind, such a great 
great tactician, can put his teams into these big games, but has a hard time getting them over the finish line. So I'm sure he's relieved that he was on the other side of a big comeback after he's experienced that a few times in his career. You know, it's probably going to go unnoticed because it wasn't the biggest play in the game, but I did want to point out one thing. To start the second half, down 24-7, I thought the Niners had as much of a must-score drive as anybody this weekend, and they scored to start the second half. Now, it was only a field goal, but I thought they had to get points on the board there, and that's when, to me, momentum was starting to shift of like, okay, you can maybe do this. Like, I know it was only three points, but cutting into a two-score game in that spot, then obviously getting lucky later on with that Purdy play, bouncing off the Lions offender into the hands of uh, Brandon Ayuk, started that momentum, I thought. But I just thought if they didn't score on that first drive of the second half, I didn't think they were going to win the game. I thought they had to score on that first drive, and they did yesterday. Now, Dan Campbell, after the game, gave an explanation or an attempt at an explanation as to why he decided to go for it on that late fourth down. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and not letting them play long ball. You know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. And I wanted to get the upper hand back. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. I get that. But I don't regret those decisions. And that's hard because, you know, they didn't. we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out. But I just, I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. But it just didn't work out. I mean, you were going to have to get a stop defensively anyway, though. That's the thing I don't understand. He was saying that they were bleeding the clock out. I mean, even if your group goes down and scores a touchdown, I mean, you still got to go out there and stop San Francisco. So I just don't understand what the what the drawback was with kicking a field goal and tying the game in that spot in the fourth quarter. Like, that that's the thing that doesn't make sense. That doesn't track. Like, it's fourth and three. It's a 48-yard field goal if you decide to kick it. You weren't going to be able to run the entire clock out. There was seven and a half minutes to go. They had all their timeouts and a two-minute warning. Mm. So I, I just don't understand it. That explanation doesn't make any sense. And then to contradict yourself with what you did in the third quarter versus what you did at the end of the first half, that's the part that it's going to be hard to square with the players in that locker room. And this is one of those types of losses, Smalls, that makes it hard for your team, for the program overall, to get up off the mat from. Yeah, it really does. And we have to wonder what the Detroit Lions will look like next year, especially if they lose Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator. Will they be able to find themselves in this spot again next year? But I know Jared Goff talked about this after the game, how he loves that mentality of going for it on fourth down and how Dan Campbell choosing to do that at a lot of times this season, they did it 34% of the time this season, has changed the complexion of a lot of games. And he loves that confidence in them and that intensity. But I just feel like this situation was too big of a moment to risk it. I, I don't think I would have had the guts to do it. Now, listen, conversely, if they go out there and they convert, we're praising him today for being aggressive, for having the guts to go for it. But they didn't. And I think in that moment with the Super Bowl on the line, I would have played a little bit more conservatively. I'm with you, Smalls, but selective aggressiveness is important. Feeling the heartbeat of the game is important. They talk about that a lot in baseball, but I think the same applies in football. Like, in an instance where you have a critical fourth down and you're trying to put the nail in the coffin, like the last thing you want to do is get stopped and give them any type of momentum, which is why I thought it made sense. If you want to play it aggressive, go for it at the end of the first half. Yeah. If they stop you, you're still up two touchdowns and you got halftime. There is no momentum. It's halftime. But if they stop you after they get a score in the opening drive in the second half, then yeah, they've got some momentum. And guess what? They go down and score a touchdown. All of a sudden, they, they cut, they've cut the deficit down. 
All of a sudden, you're talking about a seven-point game. Your team is inexperienced. What happens? They panic. A miscommunication between Jared Goff and Jameer Gibbs, a rookie, results in a fumble. And then that gives them the ball at point-blank range. A Brock Purdy scramble on second and 11, puts the ball inside the five. What do you know? Tie ball game. Those are the types of mistakes you can't make as a head coach. you got to avoid putting your guys in situations where their deficiencies can be exposed. And in this instance, we're talking about experience. But again, one head coach panicked in the second half. The other one did not. Where, and that's why the Lions had an epic collapse and the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Where I give Dan Campbell credit is unlike most coaches who decide on fourth down to go for it on fourth down, he decides after second down, which I do give him credit for that because there's different play calls you should be running on third down if you know you're going for it on fourth down. So when we're looking at that fourth and three from the San Francisco 30-yard line that he decides to not go for it, he decided that after an incomplete pass on second and 10 at the San Francisco 37-yard line. Like, you know he knew if we were going to get yardage in that spot, I am going for it, hence some of the play calls, on, or hence the third down play call. To me, what I would do in that spot is decide, I am going to figure out a way of tying this game and restarting this thing. I'm just going to restart it at 27-all with seven minutes to go, and we're going to figure it out from there. It's going to be back to 0-0, all right, we blew the lead, whatever. They took the lead, whatever. We came all the way back. Now we're back to 0-0. It's not what happened. They obviously were down three, and San Francisco goes down, scores again, and the Lions do score one more time, but then they have to get an onside kick, which obviously they did not convert. Yeah, they blew it, but give Brock Purdy and the Niners all the credit in the world. What they did in the second half, awesome. Just awesome performance for them. Brock Purdy made more plays with his legs than his arm yesterday. I mean, sometimes that's, just, that's how it has to go. No doubt, no doubt, and and that's the thing that that I think was my biggest takeaway. I, I put it in the group chat that we were going to learn a lot about Brock Purdy. I mean, down three possessions going into the second half, like show me what you're made of, kid. And he had that moment, mm-hmm. and so I will give him credit for taking advantage of the miscues from the Detroit Lions. But Brock Purdy, if you want to prove that you are definitively the guy, then go out there and do what Lamar Jackson couldn't do do what Josh Allen couldn't do, and do what Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't do four years ago, which is beat Patrick Mahomes when it matters the most and do it in the damn Super Bowl. You do that, okay, we'll give you your flowers. But that's what I want to see. I don't want to hear the excuse of, oh, the other team collapsed, because we said that about Green Bay. We just said that about the Lions. Show me you can beat somebody when the other team doesn't collapse. When it matters the most, this is your opportunity. You make your money in the regular season, you build your legend in the postseason. This is a chance for Brock Purdy to build his legend against a quarterback that is in the conversation for greatest of all time. To me, he already has <laughs> Brock Purdy. He's already built that legend to be the last pick. And then right now, to me, all he's done is what Jimmy Garoppolo did four years ago. Get him to the Super Bowl. Go win it. Coming up, the guy he's going to have to beat. Is he the greatest of all time? Next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is Unsportsmanlike with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, and Michelle Smallman. Flashback. It's time to talk about who you love to root against. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm sick of their run of dominance. I love Patrick Mahomes. I love Andy Reid. Travis Kelsey is so fun to watch. I am sick of hearing it from people back home about the Kansas City Chiefs. You know how people, they do CrossFit or they're a vegan. They love to tell you about it all the time. That is Kansas City Chiefs fans for me. You got anything to say there, Smalls? I apologize to the great people of the state of Missouri. I apologize personally to Patrick Mahomes, to Andy Reid, to Travis Kelsey. I apologize to MVS, who had a big catch yesterday, which we'll talk about in all the small things. Mm. I also apologize to Steve Spagnuolo. Because he doesn't get the love that he deserves during this Chiefs run. He always has that defense ready to dominate. And I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. I did not think that the Kansas City Chiefs would be able to make it this far with what we saw in the regular season. But I paid my penance. I actually put $100 in the bad take jar because we don't have change. But I paid $87 and prepaid for some more bad takes because this was a doozy for me. We are on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. So, yes, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl fourth in five years. So we're already entering into the Mahomes versus Brady conversation. Can I pause that for a minute and give you Mahomes versus a couple of other guys? Sure. Okay, because this, to me, is just even more remarkable than stating what is factual that you can compare Mahomes' first year to Brady's first year and you can do so in, in Mahomes' favor. Mahomes versus other guys in the postseason. Patrick Mahomes has two less postseason wins than Joe Montana. Okay? <laughs> two less. He's 28 years old. He's six years into his career as a starter. All right? He has the same amount of postseason wins as Terry Bradshaw, who's won four Super Bowls. John Elway has won two Super Bowls. Peyton Manning, who's won two Super Bowls. He has more postseason wins than Ben Roethlisberger, Brett Favre, by one. He has three more postseason wins than Troy Aikman, Roger Staubach, Aaron Rodgers. Think about that for a second. He has, in comparison to Drew Brees, five more. Six more than Steve Young and Dan Marino. He is 28 years old in year six as a starter. It's absurd what is happening right now with this guy. And if he wins in two, on two, two Sundays from now, I mean, forget it. He has more Super Bowl wins than Peyton Manning. He already has more than Aaron Rodgers. He has more than Roethlisberger, more than Favre, same as Aikman. It's ridiculous what he has done. I mean, comparing him to quarterbacks not named Tom Brady is an exercise in futility. And I appreciate that you're doing it. So we're done with that, is what you're saying. We're we're, we're done with that. We're past What about Montana? I'm past Montana, too. I mean, think about the start to his career through the first six seasons. I mean, this this is essentially unmatched. I mean, even with Tom Brady. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes gets this ring in a couple of weeks in Vegas... Then he has the same amount of championships that Brady has through his first six seasons, but he's got two more MVPs. And when you just start looking at the numbers, 
they're overwhelmingly stacked in Mahomes' favor. Now, I get it. This is a different league than it was 20 years ago. And so it's easier for quarterbacks to compile stats because the rules are tilted in their favor, right? You got the quarterback strike zone and you got the more, more of an emphasis on defensive holding and pass interference. So receivers can, can get free a little bit easier and quarterbacks are more protected. But even that being said, the numbers are overwhelmingly in Mahomes' favor. So Patrick Mahomes has six more wins as a starter and three fewer losses than Tom Brady during the first six years as a starter. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, 67 completion percentage to Brady's 62 completion percentage. Patrick Mahomes, 33,000 yards passing. Tom Brady, 24,700 yards wow. passing. Patrick Mahomes, touchdowns, 258. Tom Brady, 167. Now, the interceptions is wild. Patrick Mahomes, 70 interceptions, Tom Brady, 87. Like in every single metric that we measure quarterbacks by, Patrick Mahomes has the edge. The only thing that he doesn't have the edge with Brady with is Super Bowls, and he has a chance to change that two weeks from now. It is unbelievable what Mahomes is doing. And Smalls, I'm going to go back to a word that you used. Patrick Mahomes is essentially peerless. Mm-hmm. Not just with his contemporaries, but with quarterbacks all time in the NFL. Other than Tom Brady, there is no one else to compare him to. So with that being said, is it unfair for us to be hard on Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow when he's healthy? Is it unfair for us to we'll probably be hard on C.J. Stroud if he can't get through this guy? Because we so desperately want him to have a peer. We want him... In real time, to have someone to challenge the throne. And he quite simply does not. So we get mad because people like Josh Allen are compared to Mahomes. We get mad because people like Lamar Jackson can get the individual individual awards, but he can't break through and beat him en route to a Super Bowl. So is it unfair for us to be critical of those guys because this guy is doing something that we have quite literally never seen before in the National Football League? No, and the reason I say no is because when you look at all of the all-time greats in any sport historically, there were always years where someone else was able to win. Yeah, Tom Brady didn't win them all. Right, and so when we're looking at Lamar and we're looking at who is an elite regular season performer and a below his averages postseason performer. And when we're looking at Josh Allen, who doesn't have either the postseason or regular season awards or accolades. No, they have an opportunity to win. Joe Burrow got there, right? I mean, there's a chance. I mean, Peyton Manning got there. Think Peyton about Manning it. Peyton Manning twice. was known as a regular season stat compiler, right? Peyton mm-hmm. Manning had a couple of MVPs, all that stuff, but he eventually broke through and beat Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game 2006, that eventually happened, mm-hmm. and then he won a Super Bowl. Like, that actually— Literally in the same year it actually, that Mahomes it, is in now for Brady, Exactly. Right? It happened. So it's like, that, I don't think it's unfair. Think about it. Ben Roethlisberger got a couple of championships during the Tom Brady era. Right. So if Peyton Manning won a couple and Ben Roethlisberger won a couple, why wouldn't we think that Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow couldn't win a couple? And, like, it works in all sports, right? The Warriors, oh, you can't beat them. Five straight NBA Finals. Well, they lost two of them. <laughs> They did lose two. LeBron won one of them, and the Raptors won one. Yeah, of them. but I think the Jordan conversation is probably more comparable. And right. Here's the thing: Jordan stepped away, in the and Rockets, that's when the Rockets, won. The Rockets got caught. right. So maybe, <laughs> maybe Jordan, maybe Jordan is the only Jordan example. Is the one, but yeah. some people would say, "Well, wait a minute." Early on, the Pistons got. But I want to go back to one thing because I'm bringing up the other quarterbacks, and you said the only guy you can compare him to is Brady. I want to be clear on this. Are we say, are you saying that based on your projections or currently? Like, are you currently saying after six years, 
as a starter, seven years in the league, that Patrick Mahomes' career is better than that of the 20 years of well, Manning. Well, it has to be a projection, right? Like, I mean, That's listen, we're just talking about the yeah. first six years, but nobody has had a six-year start like Patrick Mahomes has had. Like, there will be people that have more rings. There will be people like – but when we start talking about what they've accomplished in their first six years, when you couple the team success with the individual success and the productivity, nobody stacks up to Patrick Mahomes. Nobody so, Smalls, you're absolutely right to use the word peerless, but I think a lot of people look at that as the, the quarterbacks that are currently in the league. And what I'm saying is you can rope in all of the all-time greats. Nobody has had a more impactful six-year start to their career than Patrick Mahomes. They start every season in the conference championship game. That, that is not hyperbole. That is, that is fact. It's the same as Brady's run with the Patriots. It's crazy. It is so similar on so many levels as to what Brady and, and Belichick did. It's what Mahomes and Reed are doing. But right I now. don't think there's any question that Patrick Mahomes is a better player in his first six years than Tom Brady is. No, I think what I don't think that's debatable. I think Mahomes' six years now are the final six years of Brady, not the first six years of Brady. I think that's where people are going to get confused, is that he is so good that it's more reminiscent of what Brady was his second three, three Super Bowl run than his first one. Because that's when Brady was like the reason that they were winning. It's the second one that we should actually You're be not comparing. Gonna say it You're not going to say it all. You're not going to say it all. He's just he not going to say it. He won't say it. He, he, just, won't, he just won't say it. No, no, no. Patrick Mahomes' first six years are yeah. better than Brady's first six I, years. Did you listen to what I'm saying? Not, he, he won't say it. He you will guys not, are just not, not listening. Yes. He loves John. You're, you're, choosing not to yes. not, you're choosing to not listen. Not I gave yes. him a bigger compliment than you guys just did. We're unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Games where the teams are equally matched, literally turn on somewhere between three to five plays. Lamar fires in the end zone. Nope, shy of the end zone. Zay Flowers dies at the goal line. Ball comes loose. Under pressure hit. Ball is loose. And Kansas City recovers the ball at the 33-yard line. Lamar to throw. Looking to the right. Nothing there. Fires down the middle. Back in the end zone. No, no. It's intercepted. If we wouldn't turn the ball over, we definitely would have had a shot. Two turnovers in the end zone. Bad, taunting, and unsportsmanlike calls. Not a great day for the number one seeded Baltimore Ravens at home and losing 
to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, 1710. Highlights there, courtesy of WBAL AM 1090 in Baltimore. We are on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance here on ESPN Radio and ESPNU, all of our great ESPN stations across the country. Sirius XM Channel 80. And the mark of great players like Mahomes is that you look the same in the postseason as you do the regular season. No, he looks better in the postseason. Yes, he does. Okay, Patrick Patrick Mahomes is better in the postseason. Most great players that are not goatee look the same in the postseason as they do in the regular season. Guys like Mahomes could look better. Guys like Brady may look better. Lamar Jackson definitively looks worse in the regular in the postseason than he does in the regular season. He is going to likely be a two-time MVP. When you're a two-time MVP at that position, at quarterback, you're going to find yourself in the Hall of Fame. And when you're a Hall of Fame player, caliber player, and you're a potential two-time MVP, the game that Lamar Jackson put out there yesterday is inexcusable. You can't have those levels of turnovers. You can't have that level of indecision. And you cannot put up 10 points in an AFC championship game at home. I don't care how good the defense is. You have to find a way. So we have been rightfully, in my mind, hyping up Lamar Jackson for weeks now because he is likely going to be the MVP. He led his team to a number one seed. He is way better than the haters want to think he is. But the reality is... What we saw yesterday feeds into the narrative that he is a great regular season player that you can't trust in the playoffs. I was kind of shocked by the outcome yesterday. I thought the Ravens were going to win, and I thought that they were going to win big because including the playoffs, as they entered the game yesterday, the Ravens were 6-0 and against opponents that had entered the game at least three games over five hundred this season, and they won those games by an average of 26.2 points per, per game. So they were dominating good teams, and I expected Lamar Jackson to be the one leading the charge for them to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. We said the same thing about Josh Allen. If we think you're good enough, to put you in this rarefied air where we want to compare you to Patrick Mahomes, you have your opportunity to step up in a big moment and beat them. You have your opportunity to advance. I thought at the beginning of the game when we saw Lamar pull out some MVP magic that it was going to be a shootout. And after that, the offense basically stalled the rest of the game. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo and that Chiefs defense really flustered him. They attacked him with the blitz. He had no answer for it. Mm. He made some poor decisions, some bad throws, including throwing into triple coverage at the end of the game. It was not the performance that we needed from Lamar Jackson if we are going to put him in this special group of, of quarterbacks. Yeah, the team had three turnovers. Lamar had two of them and one of them in the end zone. Can't happen. It can't happen, especially after the Zay Flowers turnover that results in the Chiefs getting the ball back from a touchback. So not only do you take seven points off the board, but you give them the ball. Like In that circumstance, when you're driving and you got the ball on the 25-yard line, the fringe of the red zone, you got to protect the opportunity for points. That is gimme range for Justin Tucker. It ends up being a 41, 42-yard field goal. Like You've got to preserve the opportunity to get points. Even if it ends up only being a field goal in that spot, you preserve the opportunity to make it a one-possession game to get the ball back and potentially do something. So from that aspect of it, it's disappointing that Lamar was so careless with the football. And you would expect that in that spot, knowing who his competition is in Patrick Mahomes, that he would make better decisions. But I will also say this. Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, we've been praising him all season long Mm -hmm. about how he's unlocked Lamar Jackson in the downfield passing game. He wasn't great yesterday. I mean, he had no answers against the Blitz. It was a season-low completion percentage for Lamar against the Blitz. He was 7-17 against the Blitz. And here's the thing. He was blitzed on 18 18 dropbacks. He was blitzed on 20 dropbacks the week before against the Houston Texans. So it's not as if Lamar and Todd Munkin didn't know it was coming. And the fact that they had no answer for it is absolutely unacceptable. 
period, point blank. The defense gave them an opportunity by pitching a shutout in the second half, and Lamar and the offense couldn't answer the bell. So, Smalls, to your point, and Ev, you've been saying this too, because you were a guy that's won an MVP, unanimous, and poised to win another one in a couple of weeks when they announced the award, you should absolutely perform to a higher standard. Your competitive greatness matters. Remember, we said you make your money in the regular season, you build your legend in the postseason. Competitive greatness matters, being at your best when your best was required. Lamar clearly wasn't that yesterday, and that's why the Baltimore Ravens couldn't beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Worst completion percentage, if I'm not mistaken, of the season for Lamar Jackson, and I think a bottom four or five QBR for him, game log for the season. Like, if you look at everything he's done regular season and postseason. So let's, let's go through this. He was awful against the Blitz. He was awful on third down, one of six, seven for seven yards and two sacks, and they were 0 for in the red zone. How, and plus you accounted for two turnovers. How, how are you going to beat Patrick Mahomes? And, sl- how, how and slow in decision-making. How, how are you going to beat Patrick Mahomes if you do that? Yeah. If, if that's what your quarterback does in a game, in the postseason, let alone the AFC Championship, how are you going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs? You're not going to. <laughs> he was like Lamar was the biggest reason why the Ravens lost. I can't believe I'm saying Lamar was the biggest reason why the Ravens lost. That's what makes this game a little bit different than what we saw last week with the Chiefs. Because the quarterback that Patrick Mahomes was going up against in the divisional round, Josh Allen, was not the reason why the Buffalo Bills lost. Yesterday, Lamar Jackson was the reason why the Baltimore Ravens lost. Now, I'm not saying nobody helped him. Like, his offensive coordinator didn't help him. Zay Flowers didn't help him with the mistakes, the fumble, and the the, the personal foul. But ultimately, Lamar Jackson has to wear this one. He has to. And hopefully, they can get back to this point. But as we know, Smalls, there are no guarantees. He's also graduated out of us caring about what he does in the regular season anymore. That's both a compliment and a reality, which may come off as an insult, but... It's an odd example, but it kind of apples to apples. Joel Embiid scoring 70 points in the regular season. I don't care. I know you're amazing. Like, I know. You didn't play at Denver this weekend. I know you're amazing. I need to see you in the playoffs, right? So it's the Cowboys treatment. Yeah, you've graduated out of this. Well, we, he got to a conference championship. But game. we the know. Cow- <laughs> the Cowboys ain't been there 28 years, though. <laughs> like, he's, it's not the Cowboys. He's going to be a two-time MVP. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. You've graduated out of us caring about great regular season games. We need to see you in the games we saw yesterday. This is now a quarterback that his team's record when he's the starter in the postseason is two and four with six touchdowns and six interceptions. It's it's not impressive by any stretch of the imagination. And we have been as pro Lamar as could be on this show and and try to fight people off that want to tell us how bad he is. Lamar Jackson is not bad. What Lamar Jackson is not is a great postseason player. He's going to get you there. He's going to have ridiculous individual numbers. He's going to win a lot of football games. He's going to win a lot of football games in the regular season. But Lamar Jackson has graduated out of us caring about what you do in the regular season. Some guys have not. I care about what Trevor Lawrence is going to do next year in the regular season. I care about what Justin Herbert's going to do in the regular season. I even care about what Jalen Hurts, who's been to a Super Bowl, is going to do in the regular season next year. Lamar Jackson, I don't care about your regular seasons. I only now care about your postseasons. It is a compliment to you. We have to see you look like in the postseason what you do in the regular season. The other thing that I think is worth noting, the Baltimore Ravens running backs had a total of six carries in the game yesterday. But that's on coaching, no, no, as you but, mentioned. But, but, that's, but, but that's my point, though. So we, we talk about Lamar Jackson being better. Yeah, he has to be better. But their offense is the number one rush offense in all of football. And you, your carries? running backs had six carries. Six. That's it. 
How how insane does that sound against a Kansas City Chiefs defense that looked like they were on roller skates against the Buffalo Bills the week before? The Bills ran the ball for a buck eighty in the divisional round, and you only give the ball to your running backs six times. I know we're not at free agency yet, but you know what? Based on that, go sign Derrick Henry. Gus Edwards had three carries. Justice Hill had three carries. Go get Derrick Henry, Baltimore. Lamar Jackson had eight carries. And Zay Flowers had to. How does that make sense, Smalls? It doesn't. It doesn't make sense, but it that's doesn't. my point. Like some of the things that we've seen from this Ravens offense, things that can make it more difficult on the opposing defenses, they just didn't do. Like the design quarterback runs for Lamar. You saw it against the Texans in a gotta have it situation. They ran a quarterback sweep. It wasn't even his own read. It was a quarterback sweep. They're pulling offensive tackles around the edge. Ronnie Stanley and company, and Lamar Jackson has got a convoy. There was none of that to speak of in the game yesterday. The zone read with Lamar keeping the ball. There wasn't even a threat of that. And so, again, you have one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in all of football, somebody that we've all agreed you can't just judge based on traditional quarterback stats, and yet you chose not to lean into that aspect of him. It just makes no sense. And what makes it look even worse is what we saw from the winning quarterback in the NFC Championship game, Brock Purdy, who damn near won the game by using his legs in the second half. Well, that's the interesting thing. Plus, let me add one other wrinkle to this. The guy that Kansas City theoretically wanted to be the spy, Willie Gay, didn't play. Right? So the guy that was theoretically going to be spying Lamar Jackson didn't play. Brock Purdy yesterday in the NFC title game was better at being Lamar Jackson than Lamar Jackson was. That's the reality of it. We are going to get to all the... Small things. But first, CeCe has this from a Granger... For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is time for all the small things here on Unsportsmanlike alongside Evan Cohen and Super Bowl champion Chris Canty. I'm Michelle Smallman, and these are some of the fun little nuggets that happened over the weekend in sports that we haven't gotten to. And obviously, guys, we have to start with the Kansas City Chiefs and one Taylor Swift. She was seen celebrating on the field at M&T Bank Stadium after the Chiefs defeated the Ravens. She was arm-in-arm with Travis Kelsey's Mm -hmm. dad, Ed. She was hugging Donna Kelsey. But Jeff Darlington tweeted this out. She had a special moment 
with Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. He was on the podium getting ready to accept the trophy. He found Taylor Swift in the crowd, pointed her way. She's pointing at him. So clearly there's a relationship between Taylor and Andy Reid, which I didn't expect. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing either. But I guess it makes sense, though. One of his best players and is dating her, and she's the biggest star on the planet. So I guess it would be a thing. Maybe Taylor Swift is this team's good luck charm. Who knows? I mean, but the fact that she's been at all of these games and they have performed in a way that is uncharacteristic based on what we've seen in the regular season, maybe Taylor is in a roundabout way helping this team flip the switch. Reality show you'd rather see, Travis and Taylor or Taylor and Andy Reid? Taylor and Andy Reid, yeah, of me course. Too. Me too. I'd rather see, see a Taylor I'd rather Andy see show. Uh, Jason Kelsey and Taylor. Everybody but Travis is part of the reality <laughs> wow. show? He's already had a reality show. He's already had a dating show. So it's show. Andy Reid, Jason Kelsey, and Taylor Swift reality show. I would love that. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, we have to have the show, right? TNT, Travis TNT. and Taylor. We have to have it, right? I don't it know. Has to, it has to be a thing. I don't know if they would want to put themselves on blast like that. I mean, Have a little privacy. Well, well, we know that Travis is not going to shy away from attention. And, That's true. And Taylor Swift had the the Errors tour turned into a movie. So, I mean, why not? Maybe. I mean, it'd be great. Um, now, with all those people hating on the coverage that Taylor Swift is getting during these Chiefs games, think about this. Front Office Sports put this out there. Okay, we know that the NFL is king in our country, right? When Mm -hmm. it comes to professional sports, the NFL is at the top of the mountain. And Taylor Swift and her magnetic stardom, that pull that she has, has made quite the impact on the NFL. She has generated an equivalent brand value of $331.5 million (laughs) for the Chiefs and the NFL. That's from Apex Marketing Group. We shouldn't show her. It's really distracting. This is print, digital, radio, TV highlights and social media. And this is just from September to now. $331.5 million just from her being shown at the games. So people might hate it because they don't like her music, but the NFL, I mean, maybe they'll give her a Super Bowl ring or a really nice fruit basket because they're saying, thank you, Taylor. You found a way to bring us an entirely new audience. I mean, listen, whatever the NFL is doing, whatever they have invested in making sure that Taylor Swift is at these games, is money well spent. And here's the crazy part about it. I know Usher is doing a halftime show, and we usually look at the halftime act as a way to draw in a lot of other fans yeah. that wouldn't otherwise watch a sporting event. That's right. The NFL gets the double dip because they got Taylor Swift at the game, and they ain't got to pay her for it. That's right. They got her at the game, and they don't have to pay her for it. Do you know how many people worldwide are going to lock in on a Super Bowl because they know Taylor Swift is going to be there? Are you kidding me? So many people I know. It's unbelievable. The NFL, the NFL wins again. They should pay N- for the private NFL, jet back from Tokyo. NFL wins again. I think she can afford the bill. Oh, I know. But they, <laughs> you know what? They owe her one. She's yeah. in a concert the day before. Pay for the private jet back to Vegas. But you're right. They do win again. The, think about the think tanks that were happening. How do we get more women to care about they're the awful NFL? With, they're How awful with messaging toward women. Uh, now, yes, now, now, now they got Taylor Swift. How do we bring in this young demographic? Oh, we just lucked into Travis Kelsey dating Taylor Swift. $331.5 million of an impact. Well, her man, Travis Kelsey, he celebrated after the game, but there were some fireworks before the game mm. between Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs, and Justin Tucker, the Ravens kicker. So Justin Tucker had set up on the Chiefs side of the field. He was stretching, getting ready for the game. Travis Kelsey comes over, moves his helmet, moves the balls, moves the kicking stand. He's like, my quarterback, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, is trying to warm up here. We then saw a 
scuffle between the Ravens and the Chiefs on the sidelines before the game started. There was some tension that was happening between them. But, CeCe, I certainly want to get your opinion first on this. What was your take on Travis Kelsey just moving Justin Tucker's gear out of the way? I don't, well, I mean, Travis Kelsey probably feels the same way about kickers that I do <laughs> and how they're not football players. They're barely even people. But here's the thing. Travis Kelsey is easy to be tough against the kicker. Like, come on, bro. Like, like it's before the game. I get it. You, you want to send a message. You want to – okay, it's the kicker. It's Justin Tucker. Like, like, do that against Justin Matabike, the defensive tackle. <laughs> like, do that with Roquan Smith trying to want. Like, uh-uh, like you uh-uh. wouldn't do that. It wouldn't go that way. And that's not – I hate that. I hate that. Like, he's bullying the kicker. I mean, I kind of love it. But I hate it at the same time because it's my team. It's the Baltimore Ravens. But, uh, again, Travis Kelsey, man after my own heart, apparently, because he doesn't think kickers are football players either. What's, fu- what's funny about this is, is there any other moment during the course of the game that Justin Tucker played a, a role in? And the reason I bring that up is of all of the Ravens, only one of them is a top three performer historically in the history of this game. They didn't use this guy. They never got like, I hate doing this, but Lamar was so bad. They couldn't even use that weapon of Justin Tucker, which they had. That's the most memorable Justin Tucker moment from yesterday in a close game in a one score game. Justin Tucker played no factor. Except for annoying Travis Kelsey. Well, they didn't give a chance to. I mean, they threw that's two my, interceptions, that's what I'm two saying. interceptions in the end zone. Zay Flowers fumbles at the goal line. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the point. That's what happens. So. Um, you guys, we had heard about the conspiracy theory that was happening in the NFL, the Super Bowl logo conspiracy theory, that the logo forecasted which teams were going to play based on the colors in the logo. We saw it two years ago with the Rams and the Bengals. There was orange and yellow in the logo. Chiefs and Eagles. There was green and red in the logo. This year when the logo was unveiled, it was purple and it was red. So everyone thought it was setting up for a Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. I love a good conspiracy theory, and obviously with the 49ers and Chiefs advancing, we have an all-red Super Bowl. Shout out to Taylor Swift and the Red Album. But the theory is Oh, is that the the conspiracy? Do you think maybe they had, the the script writers had this written up, and then Taylor Swift popped into the equation, and they were like, as much as we would like to have the Ravens advance because it's good for the script, Taylor Swift is a better chapter yeah. it's a bet it's a better yeah, avenue. director's cut yeah, yeah director's like, like cut. there was there was the movie there was a regular skip and then we have the director's cut and you know you interject and you say you know what we're gonna go this direction and it makes for a better movie maybe and i think that's what the nfl is doing at least it makes for a more lucrative movie that's true and that's and exactly what's happening what's the number that we most associate with taylor swift 13 oh well i was gonna say the year excuse me oh 1989 who won the super bowl that year 49ers just saying, if we're going to do the Taylor Swift conspiracy theories, what number does the quarterback for the uh, Niners wear? 13. Oh, geez. Come on. Just saying. All right. Last thing. I feel really <laughs> sad for the people of Detroit today, not only because their oh. team lost, because so many of them went to a watch party at Ford Field. Oh. It looks like the the most fun place on earth to be. It sold out. 34,000 tickets sold in just a few hours. They were ready to watch their team punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. Uh, the proceeds from the tickets benefited local youth. I was so sad to think about all those people that had congregated together to celebrate their team, and then they were heartbroken at the end of it it's absolutely disgusting like i mean they had it they were up 24 to 7 24 to 7 they had it it's unbelievable it was in their fingertips 24 to 7 and the 49ers didn't trail in the fourth quarter how is that man they got some serious soul searching to do dan campbell i I know you do business a certain way you got to reevaluate that boss they charge people to go in there they give it to them for free no they sold the tickets it went to local youth oh good job (laughs) unsportsmanlike 
Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.